0: Last week, the world commemorated 30 years since the fall of the Berlin Wall. Well, that was the beginning or the symbol of the collapse of the Soviet Union. Until then, the Soviet Union was like one big jail for millions of people. And the last few years before that, it started, more people started to leave. But in the good, the good old years, it was 70 years of jail. In the 50s, the 60s, nobody could go in, nobody could go out, it was terrible. In 1964, there was a rabbi from the RCA, and basically they they connected with the Orthodox Union with the OU, the symbol of the OU, kosher symbol. The head of the RCA decided he wants to do something for Russian Jews. Decided we have to take a delegation of rabbis to go to Russia, to give them some strength, support and to see what's going on, to see with our own eyes. Because right. in the 60s nobody came out, 1964, right. my family came out from Russia in 19 end of 1966. And that was the first families to go out legally. Good timing. That was 64, it was a jail. Right. My mother used to tell me told me, and he used to wish each other, made the Moshiach come and go out from Russia. The coming of Moshiach was more of a reality than going out from Russia. Then this rabbi decided to organize a delegation of 10 rabbis. They should go to Russia, to the Soviet Union, and to visit places, St. Petersburg, Moscow, mm-hmm. Gorgia, other places. He, he turned to the Russian embassy in the United States, and he told them he wants to take a delegation of 10 rabbis. After many months of negotiation, he convinced them it's not a political agenda, that it's a religious agenda, even though they were against Judaism, Jewish religion too, but officially they were not against religion. Mm-hmm. Officially, they had a synagogue, they had this, they were not against religion. And, uh, and, they, and, and, and eventually they gave him visas for ten rabbis. Mm-hmm. They went there, it was the July of 1964. They, went there. they came as the guest of the chief rabbi of Masca. Mm-hmm. His name was Rabbi Levin. The head of the delegation, the head of the RCA, his name was Israel Miller. Fine, they come there before Shabbat. Israel Miller, who is the head of the delegation, tells Rabbi Levin, the chief rabbi of Masca, you know, I would like to speak Shabbos in shul. I'm a guest. I want to give a speech. Mm-hmm. He says, well, I need to think about it. Everybody knew I need to think about it. that means I need to ask the KGB. Right. He came back, he says, as long as you don't speak politics, you can speak. Politics means not Israel, not America. Right. Fine. He got a, he came Shabbos. They said them, they, they, the whole delegation came to show many, many Jews came because they were the, the American rabbis here. And the government made sure they set them up on the beam, on the, on the stage. Far from everybody. They shouldn't be able to have any contacts. The whole goal was to be able to speak to the Jews, to hear what's going on, what's the problems. Can cannot talk to them. Right. While he's davening, he's thinking of an idea. How, how, we, how we get around it? He turns to the other rabbis, he tells them, he, he was going, he went over, he took out the Torah from the Ark before the Torah reading and he turned to the rabbis and made them with the eye and with the Torah you walk around the congregation Mm -hmm. to give everybody the kiss he told them that you go after him and talk to people the people kiss the Torah with the toddlers they say something they this and people draw a line here a line there and ten rabbis everybody talk to somebody else he says one guy told them a line that he will never forget don't forget from us don't forget about us He said, later he came to America, made an headline in the newspaper. The headline was, don't forget about us. Uh Fine. They went through, and they they were able to make a communication. Uh Then after the service, after the Torah reading, he gave a speech. He spoke, he said words of encouragement and strength to the Jewish people. And he finished with a special prayer, you know. It was the beginning, every month, before the coming of the Jewish month, the Shabbat before, we say a special prayer. We pray, ask from God that the month that comes upon us should be a good month. That the prayer starts with a very interesting line, interesting paragraph. It starts, Misha San Isim, whoever did miracles to our, to our forefathers and redeemed them from slavery to redemption. And as he says it in Hebrew, he translates it to them. He will redeem us speedily and and gather all our um, dispersed Mm -hmm. from all corners of the world, from the four corners of the world. And he translates every word in Hebrew and and then in Yiddish or in Russian. And then he concludes, Haverim, call Israel, all the Jews are friends, and let us say, Amen. He says, by the time, he says, you didn't have to tell him, to tell the Russian Jews what it means. What is slavery and redemption? what the waiting that God should come and redeem them soon in in their time? He says, by the time he finished, they were all crying and he was crying. That was Shabbos and Shul. But they wanted to find other Jews, to meet Jews. How are they going to meet Jews? How do they know he's Jewish? If they come over to a Russian person, they talk to him, this guy will be later interrogated. Right. Why talk to them, what they want. You will not believe where was the other place of Jewish, you found Jews, hanging it. Easier to find Jews in the Jewish cemeteries. They would see, meet there? They would, they went there. Out of, they want to go to, going to see a Jewish cemetery, what's wrong? Okay. And Jews came there to pray on the parents' care site, mm-hmm. for the outside, for other things. Not only this, he says he realized there that a cemetery is not just for the dead, in Russia, the cemetery was a source of strength for the living. Hmm. And he, there he says, he, they went 10 rabbis. And it was, he said, well, sure, there were two, three guys who were going after them to make sure they don't speak to anybody. But they spread. Even to this He even to this grave. 10 guys. Did everybody catch the word, uh, a conversation, a word, a, word, a word with other people? He said, what did he learned there? Huh? One time guy told him, I got a talus a Chabadnik, gave me a talus. The other guy tells him, oh, my cedar, yeah. A Lubavitcher gave me a cedar. The matzah that we have in our, in my house, there's some, some chasid who gives him the matzah. He he had no connection to Chabad, this this rabbi. Mm -hmm. This gives him a talus. Suddenly he realized, he goes there, he goes there, people ask him, how is the rabbi doing? I said, I'm sorry, I don't know, I'm from New York, but I don't know the rabbi. The rabbi's in New York, what me? you don't know him? They came went to St. Petersburg. He walks into the great synagogue. Again, there is one synagogue in the city, like, just like in Moscow. He saw, he walked to one room. The room was full from the floor to the ceiling with Torahs. All the shuls they wore in Russia before the communist revolution, they burned the, the shuls, they destroyed the shuls. The Jews stole the Torahs, risked their life, and brought them to the shul. He said, the place was full of Torahs, nobody takes care of it, basically thrown in and broke his out. Uh-huh. He said to himself, we need to do something about the Torahs. Uh-huh. And he's thinking to himself, the Torahs here are not used. In Israel, they're building new uh, communities and new kibbutzim and new cities. They need so many Torahs and we are win-win situation. Right. They don't need it. The Israelis need it, it be great. We have to make an operation of bringing the Torahs. Mm-hmm. But he was almost two weeks in, 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 in Russia. He came back to America, he started to think about the separation that he wants to do about the, saving the Torahs. He says, you know what, I need to ask a great rabbi before I do this. And I heard so much about Lubavitch. If there is anybody knows what's going on then, the the Lubavitcher. But to get in 1964 an appointment, you have to wait six months. He's not stupid, he calls the office, he says, the secretary, I just came from Russia with a delegation of ten rabbis. It's a little more important. He called them back, he told them you can come tomorrow evening at 8 o'clock. Not 2 o'clock in the morning, come right away. He came in, he said the Rebbe interrogated them for an hour and a half. What you did, what you did, who you met, what you said, every little thing, everything, everything, everything. And he wanted to know every person that he met, every name, every expression, everything. Mm-hmm. Then he finally came to the question. He says, "Rebbe, I saw many Torahs in St. Petersburg, in the synagogue. I want to take them out in Islam. The Rabbi told him, don't touch the Torahs. It will come a day that Russian jury will need the Torahs. He was shocked. I told them not only they will need all the Torahs and the films that they have there, we will need to bring the, they will need to bring from outside of of Russia, even more. He says the Jewish community will go and flourish and they will need everything back. He says he was so shocked when he came out, he says he didn't tell anybody the answer. Because he didn't want the Rebbe to look good, look bad, like, people right. tell him, what about Babich told you? Sounds crazy. Sounds crazy. And he was by the Rebbe's room, he saw what kind of, what, what an amazing human being he is. He knew right. that this guy knows better about Russia than anybody in the world. That sounds crazy. Stop. Yeah. He says he never said that, What well, he says in 1990, in 1989, 1990, he saw, the Rebbe was still alive. He saw the Rebbe's prophecy. Don't leave anything. Now, there is hundreds of synagogues in Russia. Literally. And the former Soviet Union, there are probably a thousand synagogues, maybe. And there is, they bought hundreds of Torahs from Israel. And mezuzahs, <laughs> and Trin. They're probably the biggest customers of, the, of this kind of stuff from Israel. Right. <laughs> In the Parsha of this week, we, read about, we continue to read about Abraham. God told Abraham the first time when he met him, <laughs> he's going to have children you're going to have children and your children will take over will be as many as the as the salt of the earth as the as the sand of the earth yeah the sand of the earth but it was not stars in the sky also yeah. but stars of the sky of the earth. fine he was then at that time 75 years old and he goes around Abraham and he tells people about God and Judaism all nice and fine time is passing and he's and the uh, and people ask him, No, where's your child, Abraham? He's 85. He's 95. God promised him for me, I Sarah. He's 99. Gurnished. And the old people say, Yeah, I'm sure. You're with your God. Have a nice day. Finally, three angels show up. Next year, going to have a child. Shine. Hashem helped them next year. Isaac was born. Mazel yeah. What do you think people said? Number one, they said they adopted a child. Because Abraham had to say face. He couldn't say. He had up to the child and say, hey, where the baby. Then they came to the party to, to the breeze, they saw how Sarah is nursing the baby the, the, your child, not only your child, other children. Mm-hmm. Sure. What are the scoffers of the generation said? Yeah, sure Sarah had a child, but you know she was pregnant there. Before that she was by Avimelech. She was taken for one night. Is that that Midrash? No, no, it's in the text that he was was taken by Vimelech. yeah. Yeah. She was taken once by Pharaoh, and the second time by Vimelech, And right after she was taken by Vimelech, she got pregnant. That was the accusation? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody else did the job. Then God made it that Isaac should look just like Abram. Even it's in, in many times it's a natural thing, the kids look like the father. But in this case, Isaac's personality was like Sarah, but he looked like Abraham. Just Important. God. To make a point, this is the childhood. who Fine, now, now Abraham goes out. Aha, my God delivered, right? right? There is a God. I told you there is a God. Came to the bar mitzvah, he made a big party. The first bar mitzvah in Jewish history was Isaac's bar mitzvah. First bar mitzvah in the Bible. You know, it's not written Bar Mitzvah, it's written he made a big party. Mm-hmm. When he became bigger, Right. the Medrash says it was the Bar Mitzvah. Then the Bar Mitzvah invited all the dignitaries. Abraham was a king, he had, he had money, he was a big macher, mm-hmm. He was rich, and he had, he had relation, good relations with the kings around them. Mm-hmm. But, that, but even he has good relations, they still laugh at them that is Meshuga in his case, and he's the only one who believes in God. He made a big party, invited everybody. Hog. Og the big. You know Og? The big giant? Yep. He came and he says, who is Abram? Big the big talker. He has one little baby. I'll remo- I'll remove I'll smash him with my fingers. Right. Abram was not impressed. And God said, so to speak. You will smash him with your fingers. We will see who will smash him. Eventually, Abraham's grandchildren killed Og. Mm -hmm. Moses killed Og. Og lived for a very, very long time. He was an unusual human being, obviously. What's the point? People look, oh, who is Abraham? Oh, the Judaism in, in Russia will never make it. Don't give up so fast. No, in Israel now, there is shooting and bombing and another war and people give up. Will there ever be peace in Israel? Don't worry, there is a saying. In Israel, they use it a lot. A nation, uh, eternal nation, is not afraid to learn from a long road. It's been a really long road. (laughs) But but eventually, just like Bayeba, just like in Russia, o Wins.